everyone, and welcome to Horsefly Chronicles Radio with myself, Julia Syracusa, and Philip Syracusa. We are broadcasting live from the United Public Radio Network on 105.3 FM and 107.7 FM from New Orleans. We are fully sponsored by Carnation, so we want to thank them for their sponsorship. We love them. Um, you'll have to do a few things in order to participate in chat. Go to our YouTube page, UFO Paranormal Radio. Go to all of our Facebook stations, UFO Paranormal Radio Network, UFO Undercover with Joe Montaldo, News on the Flip Side, Horsefly Chronicles Radio, SoundCloud, Podbeam, Twitch, and all of those um, networks and, and platforms. So please, guys, we are, please welcome to the show part two of um, the co authors of the Near Death Institute. NDI, Supporting and Empowering NDE. Um, Phil is also a co-author on this book. Um, their book is to be released on March 21st. Their mission is to guide everyone on a spiritual journey to what it is like to experience a near-death experience. And they are putting all of their experiences in a book. You can pre-order this book with all of these amazing co-authors on neardeathinstitute.com. So please let's welcome them all to the show. Thank you. Yay. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having us again. Awesome. Thank you. Part so two. Yes. Thank so, you very much. Amira, you want to start out and um, just tell them how you, what, what made you get this started on the Near Death Experience co-author book? Yeah, so I've actually been ghostwriting and helping near-death experiences self-publish um, for 10 years now. And what triggered it was my grandfather died and that was kind of a catalyst towards my own awakening and my own seeking. And a near-death experience book was the first ever book that really gave me the clarity and, uh, you know, the information and, you know, a lot of my questions were answered in that book. It alleviated a lot of fear for me. It, you know, released a lot of limiting beliefs that I had around the idea of death. And so I decided to start ghostwriting and helping near-death experiences self-publish. So I've been doing that on a freelance basis for 10 years. And then last year, around October, well, I've been having, you know, divine inspiration to do this book for about a year before that. But I didn't do anything with it. You know, I was just living my life and paying my bills and doing what I do. And then all of a sudden I woke up one day to no clients and no money in the bank. And then I was, you know, at a crossroads. So do I get another client and just pay my bills again? Or do I actually do what I'm supposed to do, which is get a bunch of near-death experiences together and do this co-author book? And so that's what I decided to do. And uh, I reached out to all of you. And uh, I reached out to Al as well. And uh, when I said to Al, hey, do you want to be a part of this book? She said, yes, of course. But she was also mentioning to me, you know, some of the other issues that near-death experiences deal with. Sometimes they lose their ability to work. They um, Sometimes they lose, you know, limbs. They become disabled. A lot of things can happen during that time. And um, there was no real support system for near-death experiences. And that is how NDI was born. It was created with the intention of supporting near-death experiences in the way they actually need to be supported and not just for content, you know, not just for showing up on people's shows and giving away content about the experience, but also helping them in the back end with the emotional, mental, spiritual support that they actually need. Well, great job. I'm part of it. I'm excited about it. And it's an exciting journey because it's going to help people restore their faith and know that there is another side. So this is a second um, show for those that are listening and watching us right now. And let's go around and everybody introduce yourself. So let's see who wants to start first. Don't be shy. I might as well go first. Sure. Hi, my name is uh, Stephen Nowak. I'm a near-death experiencer. 
at the age of four, basically. And thanks for having me on the show. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for everybody watching. Basically, at, at four years old, I drove my big wheel, which is a small plastic tricycle, into moving traffic, and uh, I was run over. And during the process, I woke up with what I thought was a person sitting with someone, and I was leaning on them. And as I opened my eyes, I caught the glimpse of, of long silver hair, uh, kind of like a silvery robe. And as I turned to face and, and still thinking, who is this? What happened? I see a being that has no face, only light where their face should be. And they said, Stephen, put your head down. Everything's going to be all right, which I did on this being's chest. And as I'm staring at the face, I'm being pulled into the face where now I'm seeing a scene start to take place with flowers that had colors and these colors were their own beings. And that's the only way I could explain it. Um, it's just meadows upon meadows of, of just the beautiful meadow you'd want to lay down and, and the flowers were their own beings. And I could catch the glimpse of people in the distance and I knew they were playing and I knew they were elderly, there were children there. And I hear this children's laughter and it flows through the air and it hits me like directly in the center. And that's when I, I just had a download or a connection and I knew everything was one. This place was perfect love. Everything came from it. Everything would return to it eventually. But also that pain and suffering couldn't exist there. It wasn't that it didn't. It couldn't even vibrate high enough to form function in that environment. So I wanted to go there and stay. And the being says, so oh, it's not your time. That's when the scene just changes, like somebody were to pull the curtain to the side and I'm standing in this this place that looks like lines going up and down and across. And I'm told this is the quantum field. You form your reality based on your, your thoughts and your your feelings and they're broadcast to this field and they circuit back through you. And this gives you kind of an interpretation of reality based on what you're creating and embodying. They brought me to like a wagon wheel. They showed me that I was pure love as I entered this world and that we spend our energy out to this kind of like a screen that was going around me or like an outer rim and that it, it flows back through me. And that gives me an interpretation emotionally and, and spiritually of reality. And then I saw a triangle and uh, they told me this is heavenly father, divine mother, make them one and they have a son and then a lot of this i had no idea what it meant you know at four years old who's going to digest that so i knew coming out something had happened but it was like trying to remember what he ate for lunch last week on a wednesday so around like age 10 i'm starting to get memories back age 11 more and more i try to talk about it nobody really wanted to hear it so I figured it's done with, it's in my past, but it explained a lot of the heightened sensitivity and the perception and depth of reality that I would experience where other people wouldn't be bothered by this, but it would bother me deeply. And so it led to a lot of challenges for sure. So needless to say, 25 years pass and I'm having a surgery and this being comes back and speaks to me the same words. I'm starting to get anxious, worried, nervous, and I hear Stephen, put your head down. Everything's going to be all right. And I feel this energy just encapsulate my body. It's warm. It's safe. And I knew I was all right. And then that's what kind of opened the floodgates of, holy cow, this was, was real. I did experience this because I hadn't been able to share it or express it. I just kept it to myself. So this turned into me having to leave my job as I was starting to hear, see lights in my room, hear people's thoughts, sense their vibration. Uh, I tried to go to different churches to talk to people because I knew it was coming from creator. Then I had this woman fall outside my store where I was the manager at the time and she was in pain. She was an elderly woman. And for some reason I put my hand on her and she was in pain prior to this. She looked at me and she said, I'm all warm and I don't feel any pain. And I went back to my station after the medics came and took her. And I thought about that a lot. And so things were just compounding in a way that really challenged my reality and breaking it down 
and then having being show up, showing up in my room speaking to me that I'm a biological machine and I need to tune my thoughts with my heart. I need to basically recircuit myself out of the system of duality and concepts I had never heard of. I'm like, so at first I'm like, go away. I don't want anything to do with this. And I'm eating a bowl of Cheerios as these beings show up and they say they're Arcturian. Never heard of it, you know, in my life. Um, so they return after I told them to go away, after I was able to look up some information, I'm like, hey, this might be a real thing. And then other experiences, um, like hearing a voice speak to me in my car. And I was never religious, never went to church. Um, the voice starts telling me as I'm being really hard on myself, okay, this day, during this time after this being returns. So this voice speaking all these beautiful things to me, telling me all the, the love, I had shared with people and memories and I'm like, who are you? As this being just starts telling me the stuff out of nowhere. Cause I'm trying to shut things out. I'm awakening to a really intense scene of what I thought to be reality, but it's deconstructing. So I'm trying to shut myself out. So I'm like, who are you? And the voice says, I am. And then I'm like, I am who? I am second time, just same thing. And I'm like, I am who? And then on the third one, same thing. I am. It was like a reflex. And all of a sudden, I was seeing and feeling every memory and emotion I had ever had in my life. And I started crying. I had to pull the car over. But it was like a reflex. You know, I didn't think about anything. So all these visions are going through my head. And I'm feeling them separately, but at the same time. And I still can't explain it. And then there were other experiences. I don't want to take up too much time, but just missing time, time loops. Um, eventually, this led me to self-exploration and to really return to that feeling of love that mm. I felt during that experience. And I realized through these beings returning and visiting and what that felt like, that I could return to that now. I can make heaven within me now not feel the physical pain from the car accident I was in, from the childhood trauma. And they slowly showed me how to heal myself using the things I had seen and began to realize I was in this quantum experience playing this character, having a love story, but not between anyone else, between myself and all of creation. So then it was a matter of holding that oneness, but. That's fascinating. That is fascinating. You know, one question I have before we get up to the next guest is, um, you, you say these beings. So when you, are these religious people, like angels or saints, or are these beings of interdimensional beings? To me, I would say they're what we would call hey, an angel, because I, I've had those experiences as well. But it's also what you could refer to as a high density interdimensional being, you know, and I realized it was all one, but it was us who are separating it in our mind from that one energy and and that they were actually teaching me how to create a singularity between the positive and negative within myself, how to do alchemy, really. Um, but to release myself from the matrix, if you will. Um, so they were, they're high density beings. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Amazing. Well, I could tell the listener out there, you want to get this book. That's one experience that is mind blowing. So thank you for sharing a lot of detail with that. Who's next? Ladies first for sure. <laughs> okay. I guess that would be me. Um, hello everyone. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I sincerely appreciate it. Uh, my name is Catherine Annis. I am the owner and founder of the Dawning Institute. Uh, and I had my NDE at the ripe old age of 17. Uh, and I'm at this point, I'm not exactly sure if it's because of the uh, severe sleep apnea that I was uh, diagnosed with only about 10 years ago. Um, or if it was a mountain of medications that I never needed uh, that contributed to all of it. But I do remember 
going to sleep. Um, it was, a, I'm going to say, early summer, late spring, so rather warm. I had my window open, uh, and I, I grew up in a small, uh, let's say once upon a time, it was a small uh, community, uh, bedroom community farm town. Um, and so when I had the window open, I could hear the horses and the cows grazing and once in a while a, a train going by. And it was just really, that's the one thing that I do miss about it. Um, but when I went to sleep, I remember I was dreaming. I'm not exactly sure uh, what I was dreaming of. However, I remember it came to an abrupt halt and all of a sudden I was just in this darkness and there's this light that all of a sudden shone down and it was kind of like this tunnel that you, you hear about. And there was colors and sensations that I have never seen nor felt either before or since. And I started levitating through it and it was just this, this feeling of not only love, but acceptance and warmth and coming home to a home that I didn't know, but I did. Mm -hmm. um, what, how I grew up was, was really abusive. So this, this love was almost overwhelming. Um, and so I was rising up and I remember I had my left arm by my side and I was reaching out with my right hand to go towards the apex just to, to touch the light and to go through, to go home. And uh, it was my brother that met me at the apex. Uh, he had died. He died about seven years prior Um and he was a firefighter, actually, in Sacramento. You know, amazing, brave man. Um, and he met me there, and he told me that it wasn't my time yet, that I had to go back. And it was at that moment that he, that I felt this, this force just push me backwards. And you, you, know, you can kind of think this, this this visualization of somebody falling back with their arms and their, their legs, you know, going, going behind them. And I fell back into my body. I was just screaming, no, you know, I didn't want to go back. I didn't want to go back to this life. Um, I didn't want to go back to that home. Um, but I knew that there was something much, much bigger for me to do here. Um, that, that this was the reason why I was sent back. Um, so I remember I woke up and I was out of breath, uh, that my heart was pounding out of my chest. The, the air stung my lungs. My joints were a little stiff. Um, I wasn't, I, I wasn't really able to move the first few minutes. I was just crying and gasping for air. Um, and ever since then, you know, I've been able to, to feel my brother about, a week after he died, really, you know, the, a nine-year-old and all of a sudden this, this spirit comes to, to you, you know, and, and it, it, it's unsettling. <laughs> it's, it's a little, it's a little odd. It's a little unsettling. Um, and I remember feeling his presence and I, I was just so scared. I ran out of the room screaming. <laughs> so, um, that it was my mom that told me that it's just my brother not to worry, you know, he's letting you know that he's safe. So, uh, you know, really ever since then, I've had this relationship with him and I'd like to think that, that he's been one of my guides, one of my protectors ever since. And so because of all of this and everything that I've been through, um, it, it led to the creation of the Dawning Institute. Wow. Awesome. It's like one thing leads to another, leads you to a path in life that maybe you didn't expect to do, right? But then you're doing it and in return, you're helping people. And it's funny when you said that you didn't want to go back, it kind of reminds me of my near-death experience, right? 
you know, when we look at it phys- in the physical reality, it's like, death is scary. Let's let's be real. Like, you know, you're going to be six feet under where you're going to be cremated. And, you know, that's even if you could afford to be buried in today's world. And, and that, that part of it's scary. But then when you have to change your thought process and look at the spiritual part and you leave it by, it's like, well, I don't want to go back in that anyway. So it's funny how that works. And uh, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, thank you. And our next guest. Reed. Yes, hi, everybody. Hi, hi Phil. Hi, Julia. Hi, Amira. Thank you for uh, putting up together this project. And uh, to the co-authors, uh, Stephen and Catherine, I appreciate seeing you every time we meet, whether it's uh, our private uh, sessions and here tonight uh, on Phil's radio on Crown House. Um, Fly Chronicles. And um, I'm going to share with you because I know uh, time is of the essence. And the thing is, uh, I uh, read, I am with Morse, definitely uh, the name says it all. And um, I, um, I grew up in, uh, in Haiti. And we know in Haiti, there's a lot of beliefs and all these things. And for me, it was no different because uh, my parents, they were like, uh, Christian, in a sense, but uh, we never were like that strict, that strict because we were very uh, liberal in a sense. So uh, the subject of death, I uh, I relate to it because there's a lot of violence in Haiti, a lot of death that I've seen, you know, in my uh, young age. You know, people would get shot, people would get killed, people would get chopped up, and uh, that was that would that was not a that was not a a situation for me to 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 know that death is somewhere that you know people can find it anywhere. So what happened is that um, I remember when I was 12 and my auntie passed away. She was 28 and it was my mom's sister. So I remember the grief, the pain, all this that my mom endured because she was the little sister and she died because she had a fever and we just in a couple of days she passed and i remember i was home and my dad was like coming home early morning and my mom was crying and that's when i know that my auntie passed and i felt a deep sorrow and i started questioning myself about hmm, what is all that about because someone was here now they're not there anymore so i started investigating not in a deep manner but i started to understand you know slowly but surely you know, that, you know, death occurs every day, every time, in every situation. And that's why I was like, let me go deeper. So I started searching in religions, started uh, accumulating books and started, you know, getting into uh, things that, you know, most people would not try to, to, to get into, you know, because sometimes the answers might afraid them. And that's what happened. I uh, joined some religions, but the answers were never there. But I kept searching and searching because it was all about beliefs. And for me, this is not an option because I comprehend that it's all about knowing the thing, experience it for yourself. Because people who believe don't know, like I always say, because that's the motto I use a lot. And in a sense, I'm always like that. I, I'd rather go to the depth of things because I don't like when people tell me something when I can go and find out for myself. So I kept searching about death and, you know, read everything possible. But uh, as more as I, uh, I was searching, <clears throat> as deeper as I was searching, uh, the more it was like uh, unreachable. So I remember when I moved to uh, Canada and it was, uh, it was going good. It was in 2009. So uh, life was a bit harsh at, uh, at the beginning, but it stabilized because you know, I had met uh, my fiance and all like that. Everything was good. But after a while, things were crashing. And I started, uh, you know, depression and all these things. So I started asking questions because finance, financially, I was low too, in a sense. Everything was going low. So I was very mad and angry and frustrated. I started uh, cursing, you know, even rip off a Bible, I remember. So uh, what happened is that as I was going through all these situations and all these emotions and because that i know 
before that, I was, you know, getting, uh, I was hit by wisdom, which is a situation where I woke up a morning and I felt so high, but not like high on drugs, but high on something high, greater than drugs, which is uh, spirit. And I remember I called my friend and I told him I found it, I found it. And he was, what did you find? I said, I found, I found it. He said, man, tell me. I said, I found it. And he said, what? And I said, I found wisdom. And he was like, wow, interesting. And from then I was like, you know, seeing things, experiencing things and all until that moment where things were crashing down, like I said. And I started invoking death because I was like, let me die because life's so hard and things are so frustrated and all like that. And it was uh, that morning of January 10th, 2014, I remember after we went out with me and my fiance and everything was nice, superb night. So she went home. I went my home too because we were living together and stuff. So I went away to bed. Um, but what happened, it was something that I would never thought that would happen to me because <laughs> it was very uh, unusual. That's why my situation is pretty particular in a sense. So what happened is that I saw like, I was in that dream, but it was not a dream. But when I looked, I, I saw that I was in that tunnel. So from what I realized, I was like, hey, isn't that that tunnel that most people talk about when they die? And as I was looking around and examining things, I saw myself with a bunch of other people going the same direction. And it was like we were, you know, we, not it was like, it was that uh, we were in a Westphalia. So we were going deeper and deeper in the tunnel. And as about, you know, reaching the, the end of the exit, the end of the tunnel, and all of a sudden I heard my mom's voice. And to my surprise, I was like, my mom lives in, the, in Florida and I'm in Montreal, Canada. How can my mom, you know, speak to me right now? And that's when she said, oh no, we are dead. And all of a sudden that body that we carry, that, that carries our spirit, Actually, it just deflated. And all of a sudden, I died. And what happened is that death has a sound. And it's like one of these 80s television where you turn it, where you turn them off, and then you would make like that little, you know, laser beam in the, in the center, like a little piece sound. And that's how it sounds like. And all of a sudden, all movement, movement, bodily function ceased. And I saw myself now standing up, looking around my room, checking my, my, my stuff, going through everything, going to my closet. And that's when I realized, wow, none of this matters. Nothing matters. Everything is, is a waste because now that I'm dead, I cannot be brought back by any of these things. So I started uh, looking towards me, but I was ashamed of looking at my body. Then I said, you know what, let me go outside, inside uh, to my living room. So I went to the living room and that's when I checked and I saw my library and that's where the feeling of sadness, you know, got into me because to me, it's all about knowledge, getting to know as much as we can learn when we're here on earth. And I, I lost a lot of knowledge by not having, you know, read all these books that I had on my shelf and I was feeling very sad. But as I was feeling that all that emotion, I was feeling contempt too because I felt as a great experience that I can get out of my body and walk through my apartment. But it wasn't long that I was sucked back, you know, to that realm where I was on that plateau, that stage, and the voice, which I, I could identify it as a benevolent voice, said, um, how about you bow down and say your goodbyes to the world? And I say, what's going on? Why would I do that? He said, you know what? You were just an actor and the world is a play. And now it's bowed down time, say goodbye. So I said, no problem. I bow down, you know, like a comedian would do. And next thing there was that curtain. <laughs> That's funny that Noah, uh, Noah, Noah mentioned that curtain and that curtain just closed down too because uh, we're all actors on that world stage. <laughs> and then, so as I was traveling through the realms of, of, of the universe, you know, going to places which you know, would take time to uh, recount. And the most uh, significant moment in that uh, experience was when I 
finally arrived at, at, at some location. And when I looked around and I could see this massive, massive gate and the gate was beautiful at the same time. So as I was standing there and all looking and admiring the gate and I was waiting, but I didn't feel any pressure, any pain, any fear, anything at all. And I was asking myself question, oh, finally, I'm going to have questions to a lot of uh, answers to a lot of questions. I was going to meet Jesus. Finally, that guy, people have been talking a lot about those teachers, Zeus, who, all these people that have been passing through times. And that's when, um, as I was standing there, uh, admiring the gate because it went so high, it goes so high up in the, in the sky. I was very amazed because I work in structure because I, I work in the state, in the entertainment industry building, you know, you know, stuff because, you know, we use a lot of technical terms and other technical uh, equipment and that's what caught my attention. So as I was standing there, but something came to my mind and said, wait a minute, um, I don't think I cannot go there because if I ever cross that gate, then it would be on earth. And that's when I realized I cannot die. I cannot do that. It's uh, not the time for me, especially. I said, you know what? I cannot do it. My fiance going to come home. She's going to call me. She's not going to find me. And she's going to come home, open the door, find me laying dead here. My parents going to freak out all the way where they live in the States. And my reputation, oh, well, probably going to say he's overdosed and all like that. And especially chess was the main reason. I said, you know what? I cannot do it. And I don't want her to go through that. And that's too gruesome for her. And as I was pleading my case and standing there, knowing that if I ever cross, I could, you know, never go back. And all of a sudden, I fell back, like, in my body and fall back, like, you know, like a, a loud silence in my body. <laughs> and then... Uh, as I woke up, and then I was like, no, 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 no. I tried to go back to sleep. I found in my head on the pillows. And next thing you know, I was like, no, no, I, it cannot be. I want to go back. Because the sensation of love, of all these unconditional emotion, which I didn't describe because, you know, all experiencers know that the sensation of that great love that, you know, surround everybody when they pass through that realm, it's, 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 it's un, un, unimaginable. And it's not even describable, but it's all there. And that's what happened when I get when I went back to, to my body. I came back and I right away checked the time. It was 5:30. And looking at the time, I said, Who can I call to or to provide my story? And you know, so I called my friend who I remember living in the States working night shift, and I know she would be off. And I called her. So when I called her, you know, she answered and she was like, What the hell are you doing so early? I said, You won't believe it. I died, I just came back. And I was like, you know, still having the palpitation and all this, you know, high, high breathing. So uh, she said, you can't be, I said, tell you that. I just came back and you're the one I just called because I want you to tell you. So as you know, we were talking about it and I just came outside. Finally, we hung up, came outside, looked around my apartment, but it was so profound that everything that happened to me so showed me that everything is vain. And when I looked at my closet, jewelry, cars, all these things, I was like, well, none of this matters, you know? And the, the, the only thing that matters is treating the others right and make the right things and, you know, love each other. So that's what happened with my experience, where actually it follows with a lot of uh, enhancement and uh, the abilities, especially I have the ability to sense death when it's going to happen. But the thing is, I cannot know who's going to die. So that's a thing of could it be a curse or a perk i don't know but that's the thing and a lot of other gifts that came back with uh with that came with that so that's basically uh my story and the rest is in the book as uh, we know it's a shareable story and thank you for having uh thank you so much wow you know it's so funny it's crazy because you all have different stories but you know it's kind of like the same story and I have a question um do you feel like when you guys came back that you're you have gifts are you gifting in any way psychic abilities um I know some of you said that you do have those but tell me about that that side of it 
I would say that was the biggest part of it because you all of a sudden you had this, or for me, I had this big expansion when these beings returned. And then it was a matter of tuning it and learning how to use it. But yeah, for sure, healing abilities, sensing the intentions, not uh, matching people's words. Like literally, I was starting to receive with my heart. And later this led me to, to look into the science behind it. Well, the heart's the first to receive before the brain. So what was happening was I was kind of tuning myself really and we're tuning into people's photons because they emit photons all the time and we're deciphering that information but yeah healing abilities psychic abilities shadows and silhouettes walking around me um but it all comes back to the inner how reality is happening through you and not to you so you're the one in control of it so yeah for sure for me i don't know about anybody else but that's what led me to start uh, Trinity Quantum Health once I realized that I was able to heal people, you know. And it was the woman falling outside of my store. And then just people being led to me. I'm like, yeah, I think I might be able to help you. Yeah, I think I might. And slowly but surely changed, you know, my career and, and my life trajectory, really. I knew I had to tell people. Like, I, I experienced something, but that didn't make me special. I had to tell people, you, anyone can do this. You're all chosen. You were already loved before you came here. It's just a matter of getting the mind and the body to catch up. Absolutely. Exactly. Wow. Maybe Catherine? <laughs> so, I don't know if this is because of the NDE or because I grew up with a narcissistic mother. Um, I am very in tuned with energies. Um, mostly, and, and a lot of these psychologists today would say that I had to read body language and I had to learn how to read her energy so I would know if I was safe in her presence or not. Um, and so, you know, when, when that happens, when you grow up in such a, a volatile household, you learn really to read the room. You learn to be able to figure out, am I safe or do I need to go back to my room? Do I need to leave this area? Um, so again, I don't know if this is because of the NDE or if this is because of the toxic household that I grew up in, but I do have the ability and, and it's, it's almost on all the time. I don't know how to shut it off. So I know I, I pick up on people's energies and that's why when I'm talking to someone, um, I can be very intuitive, you know, um, it's like, they're telling me a story and I know that there is way more, you know, behind and between the words. So I'll start asking these questions and they, you know, I've, I've had some people that, you know, of course they'll, they'll go back into their shell because they feel like they've, they've exposed too much when really I know that there's more, um, you know, so it's, it's just one of those things. I'm not exactly sure where it comes from. Uh, but I know that's a big reason why I like online shopping. It's because I don't need to be in the crowds in the store. <laughs> I mean, I hate to laugh, but being, you know, I, I get, we get that. Me and Phil get that. <laughs> <laughs> Amazon is like my best friend and I'm so glad that it's easy to return some things. <laughs> well, I, I definitely second that. All right. We're going to go real deep now. Um, Julia and I are paranormal investigators, and what we do is see communication with the other side. Now, having my experience, and, and Julia had experiences in her own home where she grew up in, in New York, we know verbatim by uh, research is that we can sometimes communicate with the other side that we call ghosts. Are they ghosts or are they the ones that are actually alive and where are the ghosts? Um, it's a big question mark. Now, there's two things here. Reed, you said something, and Stephen, you said something that kind of correlated, and then it correlates with what Julia and I do. So, Stephen, you had said at one point that we're in a matrix, 
which I agree. And then, Reed, you had said at one point in your experience that you see everything around you Indeed. at the present time. And now, as an investigators, it's like going through that veil. We're connecting through the veil to the other side, right? And we're trying to get answers. Can you hear us? Can you see us? Am I alone in the room? Now, we also know as investigators that sometimes, let's say there's a home that's about 200 years old. The home was taken down and a new home was put up. So it's a completely different architect. But yet, the new owners claim that there's people walking up and down stairs that do not exist in those areas. Then I go back to what Reed said, how he's looking at everything when he's out of the body. And then what Steven says about the matrix, is it possible, just possible, that we're creating our own realities and our own versions and somehow, whether that house is gone or it's not, it still exists because we've created it. Your response? Oh, well, most definitely. Because uh, what happened is that for me, I am from very young age uh, sensitive to the other side. And to uh, the testimony I can give you for that is that um, I remember when I was young, I saw my dad passing. So I used to have these dreams where I was seeing my dad laying in a casket and all of us four brothers would stand in front of the casket looking down on him laying there. And I was always afraid of that because it's my dad and I love them. He raised me, he made me who I am today with my mom. And I, 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 I just didn't want that to happen. I was sensitive to a lot of that, 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 that other side. And even so, I remember when the, in the Bible, when the, the girl died, Jesus said, ah, oh, you know what? She's not dead, she's sleeping. And I started developing this, this, this sleep uh, meditation where I would always try to go to sleep to find out about the other side because I would understand that when you sleep, you die, and when you die, you sleep. So I would, I would, I would deep into that to, to get that connection. So the, 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 the abilities that are developed, actually, it's, it's coming from a lot from there because when you get to that side, that you know has so much uh, positive emotion, and when you come back to to that material realm, definitely you're gonna overcome all these negative ones because you are more powerful because you know what's on that side and you know you don't believe. So therefore, I I, I totally you know experience a lot of uh, um, a lot of uh, other side stories with people that passed, a lot of uh, people that visited me. My dad passed. Actually, I even uh, resuscitated him uh, during his passing because me and my dad, we got uh, kind of had this, this connection when he was sick. And then until he passed, I could feel his pain. I could relate to him. And it's a deep thing because most people don't realize that. But definitely, you get to have your, your abilities enhanced and see through walls, all these things. And it's a very, very great, great thing to, to have been part of that experience. Hopefully, you know, you get to come back for sure. And Stephen, what's your thoughts on the matrix? I definitely believe that our reality is being broad broadcast through us, that I'm transmitting, mm -hmm. but that we're also spending our quantum energy, just like if I were to go to work and I had to put on a certain personality to function at work, I'm putting on this embodiment. Now there's certain parts of us that may not be resonating as love. They may not be able to match moving up. And I think some of those fragments of people get left behind, some of that quantum energy, that information. And sometimes the same as the energy when the person were alive, it just runs patterns and tracks of its life. Um, with some free will in there, depending on, I believe, whether the person had free will. So like we're fractured from ourselves now, some of us, uh, as we're here on Earth, I believe we're also fractured for ourselves looking for that return to home on the other side, that wholeness. But 
for me waking up, seeing these silhouettes around me, these smoky, dark, light ones, I realized that naturally we're all prisms for the great creator flowing through us, that a lot of these were my distortions that I introduced and that certainly shaped my reality. Gave me a, either a more narrow version or a more expanded version where I had more, more control as the creator and the observer, as the one behind the thought, rather than being clamped down into my body, thinking I have no way to move through my emotion. So for me, a lot of it is transmitted through us, and I believe leftover quantum energy or imprints that kind of never got released, they never got discharged or had their circuit broken, if you will, and they continue to run until they return to that singular aspect as creator love. Very interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Amira, how many co-authors are in the book? So there are 13 co-authors in the book. Each of them have had a near-death experience, um, with the exception of me and also David um, Sewich. So he is a near-death um, experience researcher, and he's been um, researching near-death experiences for the last 14 years. So uh, I was very lucky when he said, yes, he would love to write a chapter because in his 14 years of experience, he has gained or rather, you know, just put together a lot of the experiences that near-death experiences have had that are similar. And he is quick to identify what people experience on the other side that can be compared to others because we know every near death experience is different everyone has a different experience however there are similarities a lot of people talk about the tunnel a lot of people talk about the gardens and the colors that are alive and you know um the how flowers are their own beings and how everything is just having its own consciousness so those are some of the things that you know he puts together as these things are similar so that's a very interesting perspective as well. And um, each of these near-death experiences are similar in that way, but also very different. So, you know, your, you obviously know your story and how you died, you know, in the dentist chair. Uh, and Sharon, who is supposed to be on with us today, who's um, in hospital, unfortunately, she actually died from lightning strike multiple times. So that's a very different story as well. And we've heard from Catherine and Reed and Steve today. And, uh, you know, co-founder of Near Death Institute, Al, she died from sepsis in the hospital. So there's so many different experiences, um, but yet there are so many similar experiences as well. And I guess when you read it, you'll understand what I mean by that, um, where the experience itself, you know, is having similarities. However, the circumstances were very different. Yeah, I think this is going to be a fascinating read for the um, people that purchased this book, and it's going to be an eye-opener, because it seems to me, as I listen to more stories and experiences that people go through different sheds of light when they cross over, which leads my next question for Catherine. When you crossed over, were you alone? In the world, 105 people die a minute with other people that were with you, or did you die alone? I was alone. Reed, were you alone? I was alone, definitely, because uh, all I could feel was the presence and the voice that was guiding me and all this, this scenery that was so majestic and beautiful, the colors, the light, uh, the, the feeling. So. It was me and then uh, the sensation of, of being with someone. Steven, were you alone? No, I was, uh, I woke up or I thought I woke up sitting, leaning on someone kind of like to the side. And uh, when I turned to look at this, who I, I'm thinking, who is this? It was a being of light. So if 105 people die every minute and we and a lot of us talk about the tunnel right um it, it's to my belief and understanding that well i do not disrespect anyone's religion and beliefs in religion it just so happens that the near-death experiencers 
have um, a part of them is a belief system. Well, I've seen angels and I've seen God, or I didn't see any of that. I've seen the cosmos and I've seen the garden, right? Me personally, I experienced the garden, which is second to none, and the fields in heaven, right? Um, and when you look at that, it's like we all are based on our own realities. And it's kind of like what a lot of what we're talking about tonight is we're, we're looking at it as if some of us, we go alone. You know, I mean, look, the truth really is when you're born in the physical realm, you're poor and naked and afraid and alone. When you leave, and you're going to leave, we're all going to leave eventually, you're going to be alone, right? But it's, from what I'm gathering, it's the being or it's the loved one that comes. You know, and I do a lot of research on people that are in hospice and they see loved ones, but no one else can see them. And they're reaching out for them. Mm -hmm. And now if we look at religion, facts of religion say, well, the dead cannot communicate with the living and the dead sleep for whatever the context is in there. And again, I do not disrespect the way it's put, but it's not my belief because I experienced something totally different than what is written by mankind. And having said that, when I do my own research on near-death experience encounters, it's according to a belief system. And I'm going to leave an open form. You know, now we all know there's a beautiful, bright side with a high vibration of love. We can agree with that. Do any of us believe in the thought process, well, the karmic view of how we live in the physical realm, there could actually be a hell? And I'll start out with Reed. Yes or no? Well, I mean, I'd like to say that knowledge is uh, bestowed by research, and it cannot be from any other source, because uh, I am not a religious man, because... Uh, I, I, I cannot be in that system where I would, you know, alienate myself and because I know that, you know, there's knowledge and the experience of things is what most counts because you know for yourself, therefore you can draw your own conclusion. And as you say, you cannot uh, go with what man-made uh, writing says because you don't have any proof of that and therefore uh, it's always going through uh, what you own, what you do on your own. And as you, we always know too that we die alone. As always, I always say that too. People around me know that I say that. I always say you die alone, and they always laugh because you know they saw the reality of it. And to me, that's uh, to to the answer to the question. That's my answer actually. I believe in my thoughts that there is a dark side because if you believe in angels or have thoughts of angels and a higher vibration of a creator, then we all know there's a negative effect as well. And then there's karmic views. And I think that maybe the karmic views of a person, if they committed a lot of tragedies and hate and crime, um, reflect in their reality that they're going to bring themselves into their own hell. Catherine, what's your thoughts? So I was raised uh, Lutheran Missouri Synod, which if anybody is familiar is basically Catholic light. Um, and uh, so we were we were raised to to believe in heaven. We were raised to believe in hell and the devil and God and Jesus and angels and all this. Um, my experiences. Uh, with the church itself hasn't exactly been wonderful. Um, my mom's blind and there was a lot of discrimination uh, within the church itself. Um, and then it got worse after my father left. So I saw a lot of hypocrisy. Um, I experienced a lot of that because I was the daughter thereof. I believe that, I, I believe that there is duality. I believe that there is, where there is good, that there is bad, however you want to see that. Where there is light, there is dark. And when I was a teenager, I did something stupid and experimented with a Ouija board. 
So uh, there was something that happened um, with that experience. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, there's something that happened with that experience. And uh, yeah, I learned really quick uh, not to mess around with that. So that that's something that's not, um, that's something I haven't touched in 30-ish years. Uh, so, you know, yeah, I believe that there are lower vibrational, lower dimensional, however you want to call it, entities I also believe that there are higher thereof, again, duality. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know exactly about heaven or hell. I know that there's been a lot of people coming on uh, social media and whatnot saying that they died and they went to a hell and I'm not the kind of person to discredit that. Um, I do know that we can create our own hell. Uh, so Maybe the earth, um, this lifetime, whatever it is, uh, is a karmic situation. Who knows? Um, but there is definitely duality. Absolutely. I would definitely agree with that. Yeah. Uh, there are near-death experiences and a lot of millionaires and billionaires that died. I look into their stories and they're like, we gave it all up. We came back because I was doing bad things for mankind. I was into drugs and yes i had everything i wanted but i was polluted myself i was a chemical problem for everybody and i it came i came to realization that you know look we all you need money to live but they were saying in a sense that you know it's the root of all evil in the way where they were using it and spending it for their pleasure and the demise of other people right because that that can happen um, it's interesting, right? And, and what I'm gathering here is that the truth really is it's based on your own belief system. Um, you come in alone, you leave alone, it's, it's what you believe in, right? right? But we do know upper vibration, lower vibration, and we also know, you know, as Julie and I are paranormal investigators, that, well, there is communication. And we try to decipher that a lot of times, because look, we all want the solid answer, right? Where do we go? Exactly. We want that solid 1,000% proof, but science is not there to tell us A, B, and C. So we learn based on our own experiences. And there's over 200 types of religions around the world. The Catholics believe the Christians are wrong, and the Christians believe the Protestants. And, and I don't disrespect anyone's religion, but there's all forms of religion that it becomes a big chaos. Well, I'll tell you, it doesn't yeah. to me when I do exorcism or deliverance, doesn't matter what the person or the spirit believes. Frequency. It's going to obey frequency. Frequency. Yeah. I like that. I just want to give yeah. a really quick out to some of the people in chat. Um, Michelle, thank you for joining us. Um, Christy, we have a Facebook user. I can't see your name, but thank you for joining us. Diane. Um, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us in chat. And for me, I believe it's a heaven and hell is a, a state of being that we can visit here or after. And one is very contracted and thick and horrible, created with so many distortions of light that we've introduced into the mix. Mm -hmm. And we've created ourselves that kind of reflects back on us. Or we can visit that heavenly space now. And that's really how I learned how to get rid of the pain in my body. A lot of the trauma was moving into that space that already is and making that quantum leap. But yeah, so many different dimensions. It's almost like frequency oscillating, depending on embodiments and what we're carrying, I believe. Dimensions. I like the way you said that, and I agree with that. We are at the end of the show. Amira, first of all, thank you all for your stories, your experience, and everyone out there, you need to get the book. Amira, talk about the book, the date, the pre-order, and the yes. takeaway. Yes, so the book is set to be published on the 21st of March. It will be available on Amazon, and you can get your pre-orders at neardeathinstitute.com forward slash death the book. And it's near death, near hyphen death institute.com. Uh, 
And anyone who pre-orders before March 15th gets their name printed in the book acknowledgement section as well. Wow, that's amazing. And I know a lot of people that are waiting for this book to come out. Yeah, we do. Yeah. So they get their name in the book if they pre-order? Yes, yes. They get the name you know, printed yeah. in the acknowledgement section. That's awesome. Yeah. You didn't even know that. That's awesome. Seriously. I like that idea. That's very creative. I love it. All right. So yeah, we wanted to acknowledge our book. readers. And we wanted to acknowledge those who are pre-ordering and supporting our near-death community. And so I thought that would be an interesting way of, you know, celebrating them as well. Absolutely. I love that. That That's amazing. Again, congratulations uh, for the book. And thank you so much for coming on. All of you, you thank have amazing you. stories. And again, you know, everyone's story is the same, but different. And it just, you know, sometimes we end up with more questions than answers, but that's okay. Um, that's what it's all about. So congratulations again. And I want to do a special thank you to Carnation for fully sponsoring the show from day one. We love them. Thank you so much. Please join us next Monday night on the United Public Radio Network on 105.3 FM and 107.7 FM for New Orleans. Thank you so much, everyone, and have an amazing night. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, Julia. Thank you, Phil. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Good night.